There has never been a more urgent time to support classrooms and communities as they rebuild. You can help High Five reach, teach, and transform the lives of young people with a gift of any size. You can donate online by visiting our website and clicking on the Donate button. I'll throw the link into the description of this episode. We thank you so much for your support. Hey friends, thanks for being here. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a specific component of the Edge Leadership Summer Program, and that is the Pond Traverse. My name is Phil, this is Vertical Playpen, and let's talk all things Pond Traverse. So before we get on to more details around what the Pontraverse is, I'd love for us to introduce ourselves. So in the introduction, you can say who you are and how you're connected to EOL. So Martha, we can start with you. Sure. I'm Martha Levine. I am a health and PE teacher at Keene High, where I run the Edge of Leadership High School program. Hi, I'm Megan. Um, I am a junior at UWF, uh, University of West Florida. I became involved in Edge Leadership as a freshman at Keene High School with Miss um, Parker. She was one of the teachers who got me involved. And I have been involved through all of high school and partly in college. So, yeah. And Dubs, do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> Yes. Oh, I so like to use my nickname too. Yeah. Um, so my name is Anne Louise and some folks at High Five call me Dubs, which is great too. Um, I'm a part of the Edge of Leadership team and uh, have had the opportunity to work with both Martha and Megan um, for our summer program, as well as at Keene High School in New Hampshire for a few years back and more recently with Martha. Yeah. Excellent. And then I'm Phil, I'm a trainer and I am connected through this conversation partly because I have helped facilitate and witnessed the Pondraverse, and that's one of my favorite things to witness during the summer program. And also, I have trained Martha as well, so I am connected through the training of technical skills with Martha and the challenge course. So uh, the way that this is going to flow, we're going to follow um, like a uh, the experiential learning cycle in terms of how we're framing some of the questions. So we're going to look at the what, the so what, and the now what. Uh, around both the Pondraverse and its connection to problem solving. So, Anne-Louise, you're going to start us with uh, the what, and that is the Pondraverse, setting the scene and describing what it looks like. Yeah, something that's really interesting around this initiative is when we are talking about the EOL Summer Program, it's always like super hush-hush around this. And I was realizing as we're recording a podcast that like, we're taking the cat out of the bag. Like, we're going to talk about the controversy. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's okay. I mean, the other part that's been really sad is that we weren't able to run the summer program this summer. And so I'm I'm kind of a little bit more comfortable in craving some of the controversy initiative <laughs> and experience. So I think it's okay if we really let go of that, like, keeping it secretive and in this particular podcast, share some details. Maybe to start off, Megan, do you mind sharing, like, or Martha, either way, like, what is what does the pond look like? Because I know there's been some other words that have been <laughs> used to describe this body of water. And I would love for you all to just paint a picture of, like, before we even talk about what we're doing with it, just, like, setting the scene of what it looks like. I think I'm guilty of using those other words. To describe <laughs> the pond. Um, it's kind of... 
kind of swampy in my opinion you kind of you walk into the woods and there's this little pond and trees all around you know on one side you can kind of like see the shoreline on the other side it's dark and kind of gross over there um the water you can't really see through um that was kind of my first impression of the pond was like wow this is I'm gonna be going across this I'm gonna be in the water (laughs) Martha do you have Um, any details that you want to add yeah, I'm a pretty outdoorsy person and I've waded into swamps before. Um, but there are the biggest tadpoles I have ever seen in my <laughs> life in that pond. Um, there's some <laughs> random fish that you're like, how did they get here? Because um, it's way up on a hill. And there's that like top foot that you can see of what's hovering on the surface of the water. And then there's nothing that you can see below it. And when you're in the middle of that pond, you're like, Oh, what's under me right now? <laughs> um, yeah, there's the the unknown. It's the pond of the unknown. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's such a perfect word when we talk about risk taking, right? It's mm-hmm. all about the fear of the unknown, and that is very much that kind of sums up what that pond swamp looks like. <laughs> exactly, a whole bunch of I don't know what's going on in there. <laughs> um, so, with that being said, you could then picture a group of folks that have only just met each other that day earlier that morning um, with both students and teachers, educators, some administrators, a bunch of different folks coming from different schools across New England and are had some kind of warm up activities in order to get to know each other. And then we transition to this challenge, which in our mind is focused on having people really get to know each other in a space that is meant to be really challenging, right? A really hard problem to solve. We have a giant duffel bag of gear and we hand it to these mixed up groups and we point to one tree on one side and another tree on the other side. And as a facilitator, you say you need to get safely from one side to the other. You're striving to not be like in the water to not touch the water as you go across and you can have one person cross and you can only use the materials that you have in your bag. And then uh, I guess they have some ladders and each other and we send them on their way. (laughs) And I wonder, Martha, do you know how many times you have been invited to cross said pond? Twice. Okay. I've done it twice, yes. Megan, for your experience, and Martha, for both of your experiences, what do you remember from that afternoon? Okay, so I remember I was in, I was with, like, my best friends that I came to EOL with, and we were all, like, hanging out in our little group, and I remember you guys had us, um, everyone choose, like, their role in a band, and we were like, oh my gosh, we're the coolest band, this is going to be awesome, and so I, like, (laughs) I don't know, I was, like, the lead bass player or something, and um, then you guys split us up by each so we weren't with our best friends anymore. I was all with the lead bass players. And so it was a whole new group of people. And it was just like people I've never met before or like you said, had kind of like icebreaker games with. So didn't really know them that well. And then I was asked to cross the pond. And I was like, you want me to get across this pond with all these people that I don't know? Like, that's going to be that's going to be a challenge. Um, and I remember we got over to our tree. We had the, the last half of the pond. So we were kind of, (laughs) I think we had like four groups lined up. So we were really on the edge and you you were, you were, yeah, the edge of leadership. You were there. 
Definitely. Um, but our tree, it had, it wasn't very, um, hard land in front of it. It was definitely like mud. So we were setting up our, our thing and we were trying to, the hard part was definitely finding a person to kind of take lead of that. Cause all of us are kind of sitting there like, I don't really know you. I don't know what I want to do right now or like what role I want to have in this. And so that was definitely, um, a challenge was finding someone to kind of take lead. And then once we did, everyone kind of found their place and where they could help out if it was swimming the thing across, which I did not do, (laughs) um, just helping. I remember we had like the tallest guys on the top of the ladder to get it as high up as we could to try to make sure that we weren't touching the water. But I remember I kept asking how much time we had left are we going to run out of time or time for this? And so I kept pushing myself back and back. And then it's finally my turn to go. And I'm wading through the mud because our zip line wasn't very good. And I'm swimming across, pulling, pulling the rope to get over. But um, we finally made it and my whole team made it across and we didn't run out of time. Um, I remember we had like mac and cheese after and it was like, <laughs> you could all laugh about it. We're the like, best yeah, ever, mud. <laughs> right? <laughs> the first time that I did it, similarly, we're all broken up. Um, I was with no one from Keen High, and all of the students that were in my group didn't have any ropes experience, so none of them knew how to tie a knot more complicated than tying your shoes. Um, <laughs> and that took me a while to be like, oh okay, I'm, I'm in charge of the knots, I guess Mm -hmm. then. Right. (laughs) Um, and they all just were like looking at me like puppy dogs of like, (laughs) you have to tie these knots really well. So we don't get in that water. (laughs) (laughs) They were just terrified of what was in the water. And, um, one girl in the beginning, I think my first year she got stung by a bee or something and ended up having to leave in the middle of that. And I was so sad for her to miss out on that because she was with another girl and they were like clinging to each other for like support. (laughs) But you know, life moves on and we all, we all eventually got there. And then my second year, instead of like taking that lead role, I pulled on my experience from the first year and realized that some of the kids that I were with did have some ropes experience. And so I, into, I was the first one across the pond. I was like, I'm getting out of here and you guys are figuring this out on your own um, because you have enough skills to do it. And I'll help on the other side um, manage, manage that. So I intentionally like threw them to the wolves knowing that they had the skills to do it though. But the differences in that like skill set checklist of well, not just the skills, but emotionally, are they like in a space to be able to, to support themselves, um, in getting across that pond too. There were big differences in the first and second year that I did it. So uh, certainly I had heard about what the pond crossing was before I did it, um, the first time. So I had that bit of prep in my mind, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but, uh, there's nothing like that experience of walking into that mud, like Megan described, and you're in there and you're doing it and you're just trying your best <laughs> to get across <laughs> without losing a shoe. Cause that does happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the pond is filled with the unknown, except for multiple pairs of crocs, <laughs> that there are yes. crocs and flip flops in the pond. We do know that for sure. Yes. <laughs> 
But what about the actual task of problem solving that initiative? How, how did that flow? Uh, I think for me, the biggest um, problem solving component was the communication part, especially with not knowing really the other people in it and not knowing how they communicate or how they receive any um, feedback or anything like that and having different ideas. So having someone who I remember one of the guys was like a Boy Scout or something in his past. And so he was like, oh, yeah, I've got the knots. No big deal. (laughs) Or one of the teachers who were who was helping. He also had um, a history with like tying knots and stuff like that. So they were both like, I'm going to tackle this. But then it was kind of finding that communication where, okay, who's going to do what else? So finding everyone's role and where they could help was kind of the biggest challenge in getting us all across. Um, With mine, the first year that I did it, somebody had given me the tip of like, hey, bring your EOL book with you. There might be some ideas in there to help you out. And I was like, oh, okay. And so ahead of time, I'm like searching through to find the page where this sort of setup is and it's it's helpful but not because it's not exactly (laughs) what you need Mm -hmm. um and I remember being in this moment of like having all these little puppy dog children looking at me like you have to figure this out and I'm like I can't figure this out and then all of a sudden I was just like okay we just have to do this (laughs) and just do it and set it up um instead of trying to like mentally figure it out let's physically figure it out together going through what I had in my mind of what would work and trying to translate that to the student group, whether they knew what knots I was talking about or not um, really helped them be a part of the problem solving instead of trying to find this one singular answer to the, so to the problem in the book, let's, let's work together and figure this out. Cause There's something unique to this challenge. So in a lot of the work that I get to do in classrooms, when we go through our problem solving activities and sequences, a lot of it is like a race against the clock that there's like this Mm -hmm. timed component where you're trying to do this as fast as you can, or here's our window, right? Because most of the time we have an end time for when the period moves on and the group needs to leave and all those things where there's a defined end time, um, and so there, there is it like you, that you will arrive to that point of running out of time. And we use time pressure a lot as part of this like practice of problem solving skills. But in reflecting on this particular challenge, and Megan, you mentioned this in your description of it, is like there's no end time to the extent mm-hmm. where there was a year when it was like dark and it was no longer safe to continue. And we let the group leave up their stuff. And the next morning they return and continued their journey. Like we just let it stretch out. And we start this at like, I don't know, two o'clock, 2 PM and go into like 7 PM. So it's like a solid number of hours mm-hmm. and then allowed them to continue that like there isn't an end time. And I wonder yeah, kind of your reflection around that, maybe starting with you, Megan, because that's something that you named specifically is how that resonated for you in that experience. Yeah, I remember Miss Levine just mentioned um, like kind of the emotional standpoint of it too. Like not like, do I have the skill set to get across, but do I have the mental capacity to get myself across? <laughs> and with the time component, I think I was kind of putting myself like, it's fine. If I go, la- go last, it, like we'll run out of time. 
there's no way that we'll have time for it, but there, there's always time. So I think that that was definitely hard kind of getting myself to that point where it's like, okay, accepting, I'm going to go across this pond. And then once I did, I was like, you know what? I want to go across for myself. And I remember I just kept talking to, um, all the leaders who were there and being like, are we, are we going to run out of time? And they like made me feel like, no, like you're gonna, you're going to do it. And so it was like, okay. I'm going to do this. I've got this. And I ended up going across and didn't run out of time. Yeah. And in retrospect, it goes by so much faster than when you're awaiting going across the pond too. (laughs) Um, And the, the moments of you being in the middle of the pond feel like forever. Um, You know, when that pulley gets to the middle and you're like, now I have to do something to get myself the other half of the way. Yeah. And you can see the, the franticness in some people of like, they're just kicking for all they have to get across the pond. Their legs are in the water and they're doing everything they can. Um, and it feels like forever when you're in the moment and then it's over in a flash and whether it's four hours or five hours <laughs> longer. And it's so, it's so applicable to so many things that, you know, we wait and wait and wait for, and then it's gone in a flash. I think that's a that's a perfect segue into the consideration of yes we've done this experience we've we've experienced the physical and the emotional hardship that it can be create and the, the challenges that create but ultimately and this is a reference to a quote that Ryan said in I think in the inner world video we're not trying to make the next generation of climbers just like we're not trying to make the next generation of pond traversers. Like it's like, <laughs> all right, finally I can now any pond I can traverse if I have a bag of gear so and a bunch of I friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, what do both of you see as, as the outcome of that experience? Um, I kind of related the whole problem solving challenge um, to my transition to college life. I found that when we first started the pond traverse and we were in those groups of people that I was really close with and all my best friends, it was kind of like me being in my hometown and being comfortable with the people that I was with. And then when each of us chose our roles, like our colleges, we went our separate ways. And now we have these new groups of people that we had to like kind of meet and figure out how we're going to work with them. And so then when we were building um, the, zipline thing up there it's kind of like laying down the foundation for my next four years at UWF and there was a lot of time where it was like okay how am I gonna do this and make it so that make the zipline as best I can so that I don't get wet when I go across but in reality you can't really make everything as best as you can and it's not always going to be perfect. And my traverse was not perfect. I was swimming, not ziplining. And so that was kind of like my first year where I was just literally keeping my head above water, trying to figure out like, who am I going to be friends with at college? How am I going to balance my classes? How am I going to balance this new social life? And so staying above my head above water with that. And then when I finally made it across, I felt like that was kind of like my first year under my belt. And now I can kind of look back on that and see like everything that I did to lay this foundation for my next years and how I'm going to use those skills that like with communication or even just like kind of thinking about my own mental like ability to do something and using that in like my college life. Yeah, my experience is similar but different in that I've sort of never left this area. This is where I grew up, where I went to school. So I'm in this constant state of familiarity. And that's so true for my experience at the pond other than the actual water. (laughs) um, I'm comfortable in the woods. I'm comfortable with knots um, and setting all of that up. But the students that I'm 
getting every year at school are different. Um, the students that I worked with each time at the pond are different and everyone has their own dynamic and each group has its own dynamic. While I'm at the steady state, everything else is constantly changing and me adapting to those changes in my life uh, is, is so applicable from the pond to real life. So when we do this experience, we're uh, allowing people to practice problem solving, of course, and we're really using problem solving as a way for people to get to know the other members, like you said, Megan, um, those other folks better. But I'm wondering if there's something that you also learned about yourself. I definitely did. Um, going back to the time crunch thing and being on that timeline, I was kind of in the mindset where I didn't want to go across and I thought that I wasn't going to have to. And so once I realized that I did have to, it was really learning about myself and getting myself into that mindset of like, okay, I can, if I put my mind to something, I can do it. And so that was definitely like a learning moment about me and realizing that like, I'm, I'm gonna do something and I'm going to get myself into that mindset to be able to do it. High fives always held a special place in my heart for self-discovery. That's for sure. Um, all of my trainings, my very first one, I think, was with Phil. Coming from being a new mom as well and like rediscovering myself on a ropes course in the middle of Vermont, way up in a tree and like, <laughs> wow, I can do this and all the other things. And I am way stronger than I thought in more than one way. And continually having that experience um, at High Five has just been so empowering and reliable that I can continue to go back to High Five and still do a pond traverse a second time and have such invigoration in, it sounds so cheesy, but invigoration in my soul. <laughs> um, and it's so true though. I'm like, yes, I just did that. Or yes, I just let these students experience something and literally saw them grow in front of my eyes. And that, that is such an awesome experience to um, witness and be a part of. Certainly people can witness it, but to be a part of that problem solving process where they come out knowing that they're stronger emotionally for having done something that they thought they couldn't do. And I've been there. I've done that experience uh, of like looking at something and you're like, no, I can't. And then, yes, you did. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's just so valuable. I think something that stands out to me, first off, I'm like getting goosebumps from just hearing you reflect <laughs> and so appreciative to be able to witness the experiences that you've had um, or some of the experiences that you've had at high five. What stood out to me is that like, if we didn't push you all that hard, like if we didn't put you on the edge and the like very edge of the pond <laughs> in the swampiest of swampy areas, like if we didn't put that out there, then you wouldn't have had the opportunity to rise to that occasion. And so I think there is a threshold where you could go too far and it would be not a powerful experience, but in thinking about problem solving and trying to craft this challenge that you're putting in front of folks, like finding that right level. And I don't know if you have any reflections on like how to kind of gauge that. I find that the most important thing is the emotional support 
um, you know, in that duffel bag, you've got the life jacket of just in case, you know, somebody doesn't know how to swim. It's really not that far across, certainly less than like an Olympic size swimming pool. So most people are like, yeah, I could swim that no problem. And there's the life jacket there just in case. But then there's the emotional life jacket of over in the corner, all the EOL people and student facilitators are kind of drifting around here and there. They're there for you. But at the same time, you're on your own. Um, So it's this neat balance of you can do this. We're here until uh, the time doesn't run out. But, you know, the time runs out, I guess. And we're going to come back with you tomorrow morning if you need to finish this. (laughs) And that, that steady emotional support. And I think that certainly in our instant world of Facebook and Instagram and everything that's on demand, that emotional sport isn't always as constant as we think it is. And when you're at the summer EOL, it's, it's there. And we've done the, the lead up of the morning activities to get to know each other. And um, while you're in this group of people that you don't know, having that morning experience together allows you to connect in that emotionally supportive way. And I think that's what allows you to buy into like, no, I, I can do this. And maybe in Megan's situation where she's like hanging back, seeing that other people have pushed through too, allows you to be like, all right, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> definitely. Other people leading by example um, definitely helped me kind of realized that I was going to be able to get past that, that threshold where I thought that I was done. <laughs> but in another, not necessarily the pond traverse, but I remember we were doing um, other high ropes courses and I'm very afraid of heights. And one of the student facilitators when I was there, and I remember I was kind of pushed to my limit where I was asked to go up and into the high ropes course and kind of feel it out and give it my best shot. And when I got up there, I was shaking out of my boots. I was so scared and ended up having to come down from the course and be rescued. I was like, I was that kid (laughs) that had to have the rescue team come up and get them down. But I remember after it was kind of um, having that emotional support from all the staff but also the student facilitators and Sophie especially kind of being being like relatable and being like hey I I also really struggle with this but like you can find your your fit somewhere else and she helped me then with belaying and stuff like that and so I realized that I went to that threshold I went past it and it was too much for me so I came back down and found where I could help other people reach theirs if that makes sense what you've both touched on is one the motto of connect empower lead be the example Mm -hmm. and then the other is the units that we talk about in terms of emotions and connection problem solving and trust and trustworthiness all of those are so connected in the ability for you to be able to get groups or get them closer to the edge that if you miss some of those steps then that's the problem. It's like a good scaffolding of skill on top of skill. It's not the first thing straight out of the, you know, you arrive and we're staking to the pond. There's a big discussion around the scaffolding and making people get to a point where they are more supported and feel emotional support. And I think that role modeling, what you were saying, Megan, is, is, is so important. And I think that that's important for people listening to this is, you know, we're talking about an experience. It's not a case like, oh, well, you're hearing this now, you can go ahead and do a pond traverse with your group. You know, if you're listening to this, like, oh, great. That, that sounds like a really sweet thing. The outcomes were awesome. I want that, those outcomes too. Let's take up my kids now to this pond and, and, and make this happen. 
<laughs> it's it's more about like the this is an example, but there's a lot of work that goes into that. Is there any last thoughts, anyone, Anne Louise, um, Martha, or Megan, that you have to say about the experience or problem solving or anything? One of the bigger things that I continue to apply in my general teaching in my ropes course class is um, that once I've taught something to the students, I don't teach it again to that same group. Um, and in a way, I pull that from my my second experience of these kids have some of these skills and they can work together to figure it out collectively. Not everyone will remember the whole thing that they need, but everyone will probably remember some part and they can put it all together to make the whole puzzle work. And so if a student is absent in my classes, the rest of the group is in charge of teaching them. And obviously I'm there to like make sure it's hundred percent taught. <laughs> um, and there aren't some missing pieces that I, you know, can check in on afterwards, but it empowers the group more for one, if you let them know that ahead of time of like, Hey, I'm teaching you this and that so-and-so is absent. You're going to have to teach that to them when they're back. It empowers them and makes it more meaningful uh, other than just a, applicable in that moment. And so, you know, that, that was the real life application of that at the controversy that I continue to use in my everyday teaching. I think that for me, um, since I've been a part of Edge of Leadership, finding things that even my, that was my first time at the pond and that was eight years ago. That's so weird to say, but I'm still finding myself applying all these things, whether it's like communication and all these problem solving skills that I'm still using now. And so that definitely EOL opened up that part of my life. And I'm so incredibly thankful for that. And I'm still obviously using it. Everlasting impact for real. When you were talking about being on the edge and taking risks, I mean, it doesn't seem like jumping in and recording a podcast was in your stretch zone because of how beautiful and smooth you all were sharing openly. So thank you. And I think that your sharing will has encouraged me to think and will encourage other people to think about problem solving and challenges we put out there and just so grateful for you all taking the time to be here and be a part of this. High Fives is powered by the generosity of people like you who help us support students, teachers, and leaders build stronger schools and communities. A gift of any size can make a difference. You can donate visiting High Fives website. The link is in the description. We thank you so much for your support.